a new mom is such a wonderful time in a person's life. That new baby smell, tiny clothes, fun new toys, skin on skin contact. It's really a beautiful time. Ask any new mom. It's really exciting. But what happens after a few weeks of your new baby being home and you notice, wow, my new roommate just lays in their crib all day crying, making a mess and not doing anything to help clean it up. We over here at Overzealous have a solution for you. It's this new product called the Baby Mop. It's like a mop, but it's much smaller, so your baby can mop without hurting their little backs. Baby Mop comes in all colors and sizes, zero to three months, four to 12 months, 12 to 24 months, we even go higher. Of course, you always might need your 180 month year old to uh, have their own baby mop. Having problems with getting your 216 month old to clean? Boom, baby mop. You can get your baby mops wherever mops are sold and get your lazy baby cleaning today. Baby mop. If you want to clean home, bottom to top, go to your local mop store and get a baby mop. Baby mop. Sold wherever mops are sold. Welcome back to Overzealous. I am ready to work and I'm happy to be here. So this is episode seven and I just want to thank anyone who has followed along with this journey because statistically speaking, episode seven is the last podcast ever. I don't know what the research is on this. I don't really know what the stats are. I haven't seen this personally myself, but it is apparently known throughout the podcast community that if a podcast isn't really going to make it, statistically speaking, they die out after seven episodes. So since this is episode number seven, I am calling it, statistically speaking, my last podcast ever. But we all know that it's definitely not my last podcast ever because I enjoy talking to myself so much that I'm pretty sure I'm gonna make it to year 80. I'll make it to episode a bajillion because that is how often I'm just talking to myself anyway, so I might as well record it and put it on. Also, I wanted to um, tell everyone a little story. I opened with saying, ready for work, and I'm happy to be here. I'm not entirely sure if that's ex the exact quote, but I stole that quote from a girl. I don't know how many of you have worked in the restaurant industry, but it's pretty cutthroat. And they really want whoever's working there to like want to be there, which is fair. But like this one girl was asked how she was and she was so amped up about, you know, trying to make sure everyone saw that her personality was like, you know, she's happy to be there. She's ready to work that she just blurted out, I'm ready for work and I'm happy to be here. And all of us loved it so much that now that's just something we all say. I'm so sorry. I know she's not out there listening to this, but if she ever does, I stole this, this, I stole this saying from you because it's an amazing saying. You didn't get the credit you deserved for making that up. It's a mood. It's a mood for the beginning of your shift. After your shift, you're like, I fucking hate this place. I need to borrow this saying because I think it's great. Also, I just really wanted to point out that in my last episode, I couldn't say the word up opinionated to save my life and I still don't even know if I used it right like I left in all my attempts because I thought it was absolutely ridiculous that I couldn't say opinionated 
I still can barely say it. Like, what's wrong with me? There's a few words out there that it doesn't matter how much I slow them down, I still can't say them. This is why I don't make fun of people for not using correct English or being English as a second language or their grammar or anything, because like, I don't even know what I'm saying. I legitimately cannot say half the words that I say. <laughs> a little update on my life. My runs are going really well, but unfortunately I've been only maintaining the average, which is about three to four days per week for like 20 minutes. Actually the other day, why'd I say the other day? It was legitimately yesterday. I took a different route and it felt like it lasted a year and a half. And when I ended up looking at my running app, it turned out that it wasn't any longer than a different route that I take. That's my long route. So I have like a 20 minute route, a 30 minute route, a 40 minute route, and a 50 minute route. And I really thought this new route was going to be like an hour and a bit. I really thought I was pushing it. Like I'm like, I'm pushing the boundaries today. I'm doing it. I'm listening to this podcast and I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm going for it. And then it turned out it was a 40 minute run. I can't really blame myself. I did just have a math exam. We had our, our finals. I know a lot of people all over the country and all over the continent are having like different exam times and whatnot. I have a friend that's in her exams now. I have another friend that's in America that's already going back to school. Why did I say America? I mean, technically isn't Canada America. It's North America. I have a friend that lives in the US that they're going back to school like real soon and I just finished my exam. So it's like everyone's all over the place and I just had my exam. So I kind of give myself a little break when it comes to pushing myself physically or even mentally because this is something that's really important to me. So I really got to make sure that I get that done and then everything else can kind of like fall into place or I can pick it up later. I'm so excited though because I have like two and a half weeks off, I believe. And I have a book that I've been meaning to read and oh my goodness, reading for pleasure. Is that not like one of the most relaxing things. Like I don't have to read a textbook. I can read a book that I actually want to read. So last week I mentioned that I do all these online things as a type of resume and kind of like to have a proven track record of skills that I, you know, I, I have to demonstrate that are online already and anyone can find them if they're interested in finding that type of person with that those kinds of skills. But I've never actually talked about the jobs that I've gotten through this. So there's two in particular that I wanted to just kind of go over. I secured a really decent co-op through my school. I'm not going to say what the company is, obviously. I'm pretty sure I signed something that says I can't, but it was a really cool company. I got the job with my mouth. Wow, that sounded terrible, Chelsea. I got the job by knowing what I wanted in life. You're supposed to apply to as many co-ops as possible when you're in the co-op program because you just don't know what you're going to get. I applied to three because I knew exactly what I wanted. And the only reason why I'm adding this in here is just in case there's a kid out there maybe listening that's like, hey, I'm going to be 17 and I want to be able to secure, secure really good jobs. Like how, what's the best way to do that? Work on your talking. Work on how you talk to people. Maybe have a podcast where you start talking to yourself. Start asking yourself questions and answering them out loud because I had the lowest GPA of anyone who applied for this job. But because I was so good at talking myself up, I anticipated everything they were going to ask me. I learned everything that they said was an asset. So another thing they'd mentioned, WordPress was an asset. I learned it and then I proved it. So I made an entire portfolio of all the assets they were looking for and said, oh, I taught myself that. I didn't know WordPress before, but I taught myself that. I didn't know this before, but I taught myself that. And I made an entire duo tang for this job, not just a resume, an entire portfolio, because that is how badly I wanted it. And I got it. Marks don't matter. Who you are as a person,
person and what you are going to bring to the table ultimately is what's going to make their decision. So I got the co-op um, and I started working with this company and they held huge conferences all over BC for important people like members of parliament. I got to watch the premier of British Columbia speak at this luncheon while I was eating a steak. It was an amazing opportunity. And so one thing that they found out that I did, which was something that none of them did, and it was a skill that none of them had, even though I was surrounded by a bunch of intelligent people. These people were all intelligent, but none of them knew any kind of video skills, editing skills, anything like that. One thing that they got me to do was they filmed, which I wish they hadn't, I wish they let me, but I didn't want to be like, excuse me, I can do that, but now I will. Like, I'm always going to stand up and be like, I can do that for you. I got to, they filmed a message from a leader that they wanted to put on the web page and on Twitter and on LinkedIn and on all their social platforms of this important person speaking about this conference and telling everyone to go to it. They took the video and then they were like, okay, we're screwed. We don't know how to edit this. And that's where I was like, I'm stepping up. Like I can totally do that. And I got to edit it for them. And then just seeing your video, obviously I didn't film it, but like my edits, I'm the one that made it digestible. <laughs> I was just really proud of myself to see it on like a, a Twitter that has a, a lot of followers or a web page. Like it was really cool. And then from that, um, they ended up wanting me to film and create a video for their conference that they held. And this one, they took me to Nanaimo and I totally let them down. I dropped the ball because I had told them that I had all this video making stuff but that just meant it was on my phone and I had a tripod. It didn't mean that I had all the equipment, but you bet your sweet bip, since then I have bought all the equipment that I could possibly need for that scenario again, because I don't wanna let that slip away. I could have made a really cool video for this entire conference and, and used it. It's really too bad that I let them down there, but just the fact that they wanted to and they wanted to let me do something that important, like that's really cool. That's a completely awesome skill. The second job. So the job where where my YouTube channel was literally what got me the job. This particular job was for an app. So it was an app that monitored your hormones and figured out a diet and exercise plan for you. I'm completely okay with monitoring your health and everything like that. So I thought it was kind of a cool app and they had already had a little bit of a following. They just really wanted to grow their Instagram. What was really cool about what they wanted me to do is they wanted me to make videos for them and one one thing that they really wanted me to do was to be able to go to conferences. So it would be like health conferences, app conferences, like any kind of conference that's relatable to this thing. They would send me out as their private journalist and go around like talking to people, asking them about what they're looking for out of a diet or out of their health. I can't even word this well. Basically, they just wanted me to be a journalist for their company, grow their YouTube channel, edit some stuff, do some marketing. And I, I got that job solely based off of my YouTube channel. Now I will be honest and I'll say they were advertising this job at my school. Something told me that they knew that what they were offering money-wise for this job wasn't enough and that they were looking for a student for that very reason. The amount of work that they said they were going to need I don't think is right for that price point but if I'm being real with you the only reason why I didn't take it is because I don't live in the city it was offered and I was in school full-time at the time. If I hadn't been I believe I would have taken that opportunity and done it for a couple of years even at that like it's such a low pay like it wasn't a low low pay it wasn't it was more than minimum wage but it was less than 
the amount of work they were asking for, if that makes sense. But if it had been in the same town that I lived in, I would have 100% taken it and treated it like an internship. Granted, the pay wasn't amazing for what they were asking for, but I mean, in this world, it's really difficult to get experience and get paid for it. So I would have taken it if I had lived closer. The commute would have made it just absolutely unbearable. Had it been in the town that I lived in, I, I would have definitely done it. it. It was, it sounded like a really great opportunity because there were no parameters. It wasn't like, well, we had this person doing this, so can you please continue? No, it was like, we don't have anyone doing that. You get to make this up. You get to make up what you want our Instagram to look like and what our YouTube to look like and think of different hashtags and make our videos. And it honestly was a really cool opportunity for learning and getting paid whilst learning. I'm just mentioning this because I think we're just like in a time when it's important to talk about how there's other ways to get what you want in life. You don't always have to go the school route. Some things you can do all by yourself sitting in your home. And who doesn't want to get paid to do something they love? Who doesn't want a reason to put, I know how to edit and make videos for various reasons, such as marketing on various platforms. Like, yeah, I want that to be something I make money doing. And it was important for them too, because it was such a unique skill. Like it made me feel really good inside to be able to provide this unique service. I'm sure in like five, 10 years, this will not be a unique service, but I'm in that sweet spot where it's like people that are running companies don't know these kinds of skills. And I'm still in that millennial age where it's like, I do know these skills. So hit me up, Gen X, hire me. Okay, so this episode, I'm going to talk about a couple of controversial things. I mentioned last week that I had a few ranty things, but I didn't want to talk about them last week because I don't want them to be a rant. I want them to be more of a conversation as always. Like anything on here, if I sound like I'm ranting, please feel free to correct me be like you're sounding like you're one-sided make this a conversation so the first issue was the liver donation issue I had read a article not that long ago that had said that in order to get a liver transplant in a specific area in BC I forget particularly where it was I really should have kept it maybe I should look for the article but they were saying that in order to get a liver transplant you would need to refrain from drinking for a really long time. Naturally, I thought, of course, like, why wouldn't you? Okay, instead of just blindly going into this, I actually found one of the articles. Now, this one is from August 14th in 2019, but I had actually seen another post about it like a few months ago. So it is on CBC News. It says Indigenous BC man denied place on liver transplant list uh, challenges alcohol abstinence rule. So we have a policy here in BC that requires people to abstain from alcohol for six months in order to be eligible for a liver transplant. This person has end-stage liver disease. I'm certain that means this is like the last chance for him. Uh, and he says that that should qualify him as a priority candidate for a liver transplant, but the policy, the abstinence policy, is getting in his way. I'm so ignorant that I looked at the comments and people were like, yeah, if you're getting a transplant, shouldn't you try to withstand from alcohol? Like, why would I want to go under that kind of surgery if it's just going to be, you know, not used for a different lifestyle? Wow, that was hard to word in a way that wouldn't offend people. And I thought, of course, that makes sense. Like, just coming from my own perspective, some people aren't as selfish, but for me, I would definitely want to know if I was opening up my body to someone <laughs> 
for someone that they were going to respect that that body part. The article that I read was saying that it was discrimination and I didn't really understand how. And then I had mentioned this this article to Davis to kind of just get his get his ideas on this matter and and basically Davis was like that is discriminatory and I'm like well I don't get it why and he's like because the only real reason you'd ever need a liver transplant is because you're drinking there are other reasons but they're very minimal so you could get cancer you could have cancer of the liver it's such a small number of people compared to how many people are getting livers from getting cirrhosis of the liver or hepatitis or any of those kinds of issues that come from drinking I thought that there were a million reasons why you know the same thing with a heart transplant like there could be a, a ton of reasons why someone needs a heart transplant I thought the same was for a liver but it turns out the main reason for a liver transplant is for drinking so I understand where they're coming from when they say that discriminates against indigenous communities because hear me out on this anyone living in a city that already has a doctor they have such better access and so much more resources to refrain from drinking or at least find the help to help them drink less in order to get a, a, a liver transplant which now that I like really think about this also something that worries me is just small areas in Canada and the world in general. It's understandably going to be easier for someone living in the city to get help than someone living outside of the city. Maybe that's something that we should look into. It's not really that fair if two people are up for a liver transplant and you know one of those people lives in an area where maybe there is counseling right beside them and the other person doesn't have anything in a tiny town and has no one to help them or no one to turn to to kind of get them on the right track then that person living in the city is just automatically gonna get it I just thought that was something interesting to kind of like bring up and hash out because like I said the my initial thought was well yeah why wouldn't you want someone who's going to baby your little liver I mean you're getting opened up for it after talking to Davis about it and really kind of wrapping my head around the scenario I was like oh okay like I can see why that is discriminatory do I have the answer Nope, I have none of the answers, but I do think it, there's certain things out there that as citizens, we should all kind of be aware of and be aware of both sides of the coin. I'm not sitting here saying that you should be all like giving away your liver to, to people that you don't feel are worthy of your liver. I'm just saying the same with any issue that I bring up is it's the current system isn't working and it's not fair. It's not equitable. We're not all looking for equality. We're looking for equity. This is something that one of my psych teachers says over and over, like not everyone's equal. We're not looking for equality. We're looking for equity. We're looking for things to be equitable for every single human being. You living in one area shouldn't give you the one up over someone else living in a different area. Call me absolutely insane. I just love that when I have a view that I wasn't aware was ignorant, I find out was. It excites me to see something a different way. And it really excites me when Davis understands a situation with humans more than me. He is rarely the empathetic one out of both of us. And this is one of those scenarios where his view totally changed mine. And I just love it. I love getting new information 
information. I love seeing things differently. I want the information. I want people to tell me I'm wrong with something because I want to rewire my brain into being more open-minded about it and, and taking in different information. And I would have never thought of it that way had I not asked Davis about it. I had just never really thought of it that way and now I'm consistently thinking about it that way. Okay, so the next thing I wanted to talk about was also another revelation to me because Davis and his perspective on life, there's certain things that he just gets that the world doesn't and vice versa. There's certain things that the world gets that he doesn't. Okay, so there was this one issue during the beginning of the pandemic and a little bit throughout and I haven't heard anything about it since. There was an issue of refugee workers in fields doing farming and whatnot and how it was difficult for them because they get flown in here to work in our fields at probably a ridiculously reduced rate per hour. Everyone was really up in arms about this because they were having problems getting here or getting back home and then you know a lot of people were upset that we give immigrants jobs. Here's the thing I've never been upset if an immigrant is working in Canada. That's such a silly sentence to say especially on this podcast because I feel like people my age that are paying attention to this kind of stuff and you're like yeah we we know this but like guys there's still some boomers out there and Gen Xers that are like no they're stealing all our jobs it's like oh really you were gonna work at Taco Bell Brenda you were gonna work at Taco Bell no you weren't no you weren't oh you were gonna pick berries now what you're gonna do they're not stealing anyone's jobs they are moving here and starting from the bottom and working their way to the top like the rest of us do you start at the bottom and you work really hard and you move your way up not the point of my my conversation so my conversation is something that I I wouldn't have known if Davis hadn't told me this so I saw the comments it was back and forth like one comment would be like stop taking all our jobs and then someone would comment back the obvious like you don't want to work those jobs so get over yourself but something that I hadn't thought of I thought why would we take these jobs from refugees and immigrants when they need them and we're not gonna do them Davis told me a story about a friend of his he met him a long time ago back in the day awesome guy he grew up in I believe Sudan he was a child refugee uh, a child soldier and he was the nicest happiest guy because he was so friggin happy to be in Canada so grateful so happy to be there so happy to know Davis because he just was inspired by Davis because Davis like I don't know at the time he owned his own company and I think he really aspired to own his own company or something like that but I'm like Davis is like the last person anyone should look up to I'm kidding I love you darling but he was just so happy to be here and Davis had mentioned that it was a problem for him getting a job because he used to work in farming fields and then when he got his Canadian citizenship he wasn't included in the people who were invited to work those jobs. Let me try and like clarify this better. He wasn't able to get a farming job when he became a Canadian citizen because they were able to give it to immigrants who were being 
being transported here to do those jobs for cheaper. That is something that I absolutely hadn't thought of. All I was thinking was so ignorantly, like 100% so ignorantly, like why? None of us Canadians want those jobs. When I wasn't thinking about people who emigrated here and have become legal Canadian citizens. So this completely changed my stance on this, this subject. I was always like, well, we don't, we're privileged. We don't work those jobs. We're assholes. Let other people have them if they want them. But I wasn't thinking about people who were child refugees and are now actual Canadian citizens. I wasn't counting them in that. And now that I understand that, give those jobs to Canadians because some of those Canadians have worked their butts off to be Canadian citizens. I had no idea that by saying, let immigrants have the jobs, Canadian citizens don't want them. Well, that very sentence sounds ignorant in general. It just sounds gross. Why did I say it? I'm probably not gonna edit it out because I gotta be real and honest and I just need to acknowledge when I say something really crappily, crappily is a word, I had just rudely thought that Canadians were all privileged. I just really didn't put a lot of thought into what a Canadian citizen is. I didn't put thought into what constitutes a Canadian citizen. I just want this guy to have the best life. I don't know where he is now. We moved away from the province that he lived in. If for some reason he's out there and he listens to this, which he's probably not going to, he was my favorite of all of Davis's friends. He was the happiest guy. He would, he just, ugh, he hurt my heart. He was so happy and so good and he just deserves to be able to get a job is all I'm saying. I'm not saying any immigrants that are brought here to do those jobs don't deserve those jobs. Anyone deserves a job who needs a job. That's just it. Whether or not we have them for them is completely a different topic. But I now get how bringing in immigrants just to do these jobs only to send them back. It's clearly a scenario that I already can admit that I don't know a lot about. But I did want to bring it up. Ooh, that was really deep. I get really deep really fast. No, I don't. That wasn't that deep. But I do need to work on my stories and how I transition because I'm already at like half an hour and I'm like, okay, now how do I switch to like a happy story? Like I don't want it to just be this terrible tone, but I also don't want to switch abruptly and be like, all right, now I'm talking about what I'm doing next week. Like it feels weird. I do not know how to transition well enough. It probably would be better if I had a co-host, but it is what it is. I got to make do with what I have and the show must go on. The show must go on. Okay, so I'm going to switch gears and I'm going to bring back the segment of relationship questions. Why? Because I do like to bring back segments. I don't just say segments and then never talk about them again. Well, I've pretty much done that so far. But throughout this entire podcast life, this life of mine, I will bring back every segment at least once. The relationship one, I really enjoy answering. I really do. I could go on someone's talk show and answer relationship questions for like a day and a half before I get tired and then I'd be tired. Just kidding. I stay awake for like six hours at a time that I need a nap. Okay, so the one, I'm just gonna answer some random ones. Do you get each other's feelings without the need to say anything? 100%. I shouldn't say 100% because 100% would mean that he also gets mine, but I I totally get his. I almost can feel in the 
care when something's wrong. He affects me so much that there's certain things that I'm like, you're not even allowed to be mad about this because you're getting too mad and I feel it. Like you can't bring us emotional distress every single time something happens. But like, I feel it. I can see it in his eyes. His eyes become a different freaking color. Does anyone else have that with their partner or maybe a friend or an animal? I don't know where you're so close to them like that when something's different you know it I can't even explain how much I know about this guy I'll just be doing nothing and out of nowhere on a my brain just clears up and it's like oh my goodness I think Davis didn't do this or did do that and I'll be right but one thing that I know what his feelings are at like almost all times that's it that's I totally know what he's feeling I know when he's angry I know when he's in a happy mood I know pretty much everything can tell in the way he's starting his sentence I don't think he can tell with me because sometimes I do this frantic voice as a joke because I like pretending to be an obnoxious girlfriend and he'll actually think I'm getting mad and he'll be like oh my god what's going on I'm like oh dude take it down a notch like I was totally kidding I just really thought it was humorous if I made you feel like I was flipping out over this all right let's do another one I like the how much do you trust your partner because there's a lot of trust there but I might have already answered that one so I'm gonna move on Ooh, this is a good one and I think it's really important have you ever apologized for what you've done wrong to your partner? Yes. Almost every single time. And I say almost because I don't live his life. I'm not in his head. I'm sure there's something that I've done that he's been upset about and he never got the apology for it. But in my mind, I was right. So I never gave the apology. In relationships, that's just as important as the apology. Sometimes you're not wrong and you're just not getting along. Does that make sense? Sometimes there's going to be things you argue about about, it's always been a really important thing to me that I can acknowledge when I'm wrong and I can apologize when I'm wrong and sometimes when I'm not. So I didn't want to be the girlfriend that was always like, no, this is your fault. You did this. Like I'm, I always know what's important in a relationship and I know being able to acknowledge your wrongdoings and saying sorry is huge. I mean, it'll be reciprocated, right? Like he's really good at acknowledging when he was wrong. There's gonna be times when you don't get the apology that you think you deserve because you don't really deserve it. Him filling the water the wrong way. Him eating all my blueberries and leaving me too. Like I'm not getting an apology for that. All I'm getting is him smiling and laughing in my face thinking it's the funniest thing when really it's friggin' annoying. It's just as important to be able to forget about this stuff as it is to apologize for the real stuff. You need to be able to, what's worth an apology what warrants an apology and what doesn't because sometimes it's just little things and actually I just saw something on Twitter and I liked the shit out of it because I preach this to everyone I might have already said it in a podcast I saw a tweet that said what's the worst advice you've ever been given and this was asking people who have been married for 10 plus years I know we haven't been married for 10 plus years but we just signed documents to the government saying that we're common law so and we've been together for 10 years so I feel like I should be able to weigh in on this what the worst advice you were ever given and someone said that you should never go to sleep angry you should sometimes I think it's absolutely naive to think that you should resolve something before going to bed because honestly when you live with someone 24 7 and you're around them 24 7 and it's late at night sometimes you're gonna say and do things that are just super annoying and all you need to do is sleep it off I can't tell you how many little tiny arguments we've had at nighttime and then had a 
a nap, went to bed and woke up and was like, what were we even arguing about? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Don't worry. Go to sleep angry. If it in particular, if it's something not that important. If you think that arguing over who put the dishes away is important and needs to be resolved before you go to sleep, I don't know how much you love that person. I feel like you should kind of reassess if you're in that relationship because you love them or because you want them to do things for you or you want them to be a certain way. There's certain things that you should just let go and take a nap or go to sleep and I promise you in the morning it won't matter. Or you're rational, you're more rational. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm really annoyed you did that still. Can you please fix that? <laughs> and then he's had a nap too. So he's like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I took that way far from the actual question, which was, do you say sorry? I'm really good at acknowledging when I'm wrong or when he's wrong. And you better believe that I have the ability to tell him when he's wrong too. Ooh, okay, I got one more and then I'm gonna wrap it up. I kind of like this one. Do you throw temper? I didn't even know that was a sentence. Do you throw temper easily? I'm gonna use that <laughs> in a different setting. Do you throw temper easily for small mistakes of your partners? No and yes. Hear me out on this. Never small mistakes, but we are almost best friends before we're lovers. And I, I use that kind of concern that people are gonna judge, but we're friends first. We really are. I think I, I, I just mentioned that I don't think that he gets what my feelings are because sometimes I joke about being like a crazy girlfriend about something, but I'm just joking and he'll think I'm real and be like, I'm so sorry. Do I throw a temper easily for small mistakes? Yes, but it's a joke. I don't really throw tempers easily for things because my feelings are validated in this relationship and that's so important. Sorry to tell you this guys, but if your girlfriend is throwing tempers easily over little mistakes, she's not happy. There's something going on. People don't pull temper tantrums when they're adults all the time. Like there's something deeper that they're not getting to. We have conversations. We have conversations about things that bug us or things that we don't like. We're best friends first. We're important to each other first. It's just really important that we regulate our emotions around each other. And this is all I can really ask of him. Like, thank you. Thank you for regulating yourself around me. And I will continue to do the same for you. While I'm here and I'm talking about how I fake freak out so that he freaks out. <laughs> I just did a vlog. If you want to watch it, it's on my YouTube channel. It's going to be on my YouTube channel on Monday. This podcast comes out on Wednesday. So by the time this comes out, it will be out. I force him to do a vlog. Our dynamic when we're alone and there's no cameras running, I'm like, we're a TV show. I've already started writing a pilot for our own TV show. And then I put on the camera or the microphone, I hit record. And this guy sounds like a jerk. He sounds like he's annoyed of everything I say and everything I do and that I'm putting the camera in his face but I swear to god this guy loves helping me do these sorts of things like we're homies and he just sounds so I'm annoyed to be here like what are you doing there was a few parts of the video that I legitimately had to edit out because I was like there's no way people are gonna believe we have a good relationship it sounds like you're friggin miserable listen to how you said that you're not annoyed of me stop acting like that like so I just think it's humorous because I'm like I do the fake like freak out thing he does the fake I'm annoyed of her thing and together we're just putting out stupid content into, into the world so that people can judge us basically. That video is just a vlog of our time at Cultus Lake. I've decided I'm putting up just a few videos around the BC 
BC area because of quarantine. I think that there's a lot of people that really were probably hoping they could visit BC this year and aren't gonna get to. So I've decided I'm putting out a few videos where I'm showcasing a lot of the spots. And the first one that I'm posting is about cultists. I think I'm gonna do a Vancouver seawall one and maybe Lynn Canyon. And then I might take the bus to Rocco's and do that. Like I just really enjoy filming vlogs, I guess. That video is going to be on my YouTube channel. The next episode, I'm going to be talking about a few of my restaurant experiences and working in the restaurant because I was reminded of a few stories from back in the day, which wasn't really back in the day, but it was like 10 years ago. I started working at this place and we all had to have nicknames. So I want to go on this whole story about this place and all the crazy things that happened and then a few other stories because I like restaurant stories so much, like sometimes the craziest stuff happens in a restaurant. But I'm also going to upload another getting weird with it episode but I think I want to do the restaurant episode first and then an episode of getting weird with it I'm gonna saw I'm just gonna digress for a second Davis always used to say me and so and so me and so and so and I was finally like I got annoyed of it I'm not a grammar corrector but I was like it's so and so and I this jerk replies with yeah but I'm more important in this scenario so whenever I'm the important one I say me and so and so what an ignorant jerk. Like now I'm like waiting to see if he says like me and Chelsea, like mm -mm, you're not the important one, homie, like I am. I believe I'm bringing Davis back on, but on the overzealous podcast, because I might have figured out my two mic situation. And also what I really want to talk about with him is the 90s. The 90s, my friends. I have seen so many kids these days post on Twitter about how they wish they were from the 90s, how it was such a simpler time or shit was so fun back then I want to do an episode with Davis about the 90s like this guy remembers when Kurt Cobain went on MTV Unplugged he remembers it he remembers the hype at that point like I knew the songs but like I wasn't allowed to watch MTV what am I saying I was allowed I couldn't afford MTV he remembers their CDs coming out he remembers Easy e he remembers Tupac like I'm like I just want to talk to this guy about the 90s and if you have any questions yourself, you can email me at overzealouspodcast at gmail.com. You can message me on Instagram at the, oh, not the, I always say the, there's no the. It's just overzealous podcast on Instagram. Um, Twitter, it's at Chelsea Stories. Thank you so much for coming along with me on this journey. It's legitimately been a blast. Thank you so much for tuning in to Overzealous and I will see you next week.